0: streamed and probably about to be recorded
1: great of all the times to get a hiccup <laughs> sometimes I just get one stray hiccup you know Hmm. well the thing that everybody doesn't know is that we are often naked together in the mornings that's true Via a selfie Andy and I take our ugly selfies in the morning and send them to each other uh, very often so um this is nothing new to
0: us. Except, except for you have makeup on, and I have makeup. Hair done, and I have my glasses on. So there. So. Oh wow! Well, Sherry, have I got the genitals for you?
1: <laughs> if you've got an itch, Andy Vargo will scratch it. <laughs> Welcome to Scrutiny with Sherry and Andy. I'm Sherry Hardman. This is my good, dear friend.
0: Andy Vargo.
1: Yeah, and we're here to talk about all things under the sun with our own special brand of scrutiny. How are you today, Andy?
0: Sherry, I am excellent. I uh, We were just saying as we started up that it feels like this has been forever since we've done this, even though it's been like 10 days or we missed one week. And so... Uh, It just feels like it's been forever, but I being back here with you, there's a lot of good stuff going on in life, and I am soaking in the positivity.
1: Good. I was wondering, I was thinking, like, why weren't we here last week? And then I remembered we were supposed to go out of town, and... Yeah, and that got delayed. And we didn't. So, I don't know when it got delayed, too. I still haven't gotten any answers, so... Uh, I guess if we get a poster one day, then we'll know.
0: Then we'll know. Then we'll tell y'all where we're going, and it'll be fun at that time. Yeah. So how have you been, Sherry?
1: I've been good. You know, work has finally kicked in. Um, It's been a little bit of a challenge. Mm -hmm. I don't have a classroom teacher.
0: Oh, wow.
1: every, and we don't have like a, a substitute. So whatever teachers on their planning period comes in and covers our class.
0: Oh, so it's different each, the whole time.
1: Each day we have three different subs.
0: Wow, that's hard. Cause so the
1: kids have had a different every time they've come in here, there's been a different person. Oh that's... I'm like been the only constant thing. And they're starting it's starting to wear on them a little bit. There's like, where's our teacher? You know.
0: Yeah. Doesn't anybody want?
1: Us... Sometimes the sub doesn't show up, and then it's just me. Hmm. Today, I brought seven kids with me to make copies because I couldn't just leave them in their by <laughs> themselves. Like, All right,
0: uh, kids, we're going on a field trip to the copy room. Oh, that's awesome. We had
1: some interesting stuff. We had a student yesterday pull um, wings off flies, a girl, high school girl, and then take it around and try and put it in other people's faces. So it's been, it's been weird, but it feels good to be like kind of back in the swing.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, that's, I've always envied you, especially the last couple of years, as I've gotten to know you more, but your comedy career has grown so much and your ability to be up at, you know, I don't know, five, six, seven in the morning to go work a day job. And then three or four nights a week, sometimes maybe more out doing comedy shows that go late. That's a lot.
1: Called naps. Luckily, naps. I've always been a nappy person, so, and I found that an hour is the sweet spot. Okay. If you go longer than that, mm, no, then you're too groggy. So just a one hour nap. I set my alarm, and it really does help. So,
0: huh? I'll have to try that because, yeah, I have had the thing where I nap too long, and then I end up being up too late. It just messes up my whole schedule, and, and if I don't nap you enough.
1: Want to go I after that if you wake yeah up. now yesterday i had a one i call it like a wonder nap because i woke up and thought it was morning and that i had to get ready for work
0: yeah those and are
1: realized, oh wait i just took a nap like i get to go to bed again in a little while so
0: <laughs> right i exactly it's like oh i still get to get up and have dinner or dessert or whatever or watch a show
1: no it was like a gift i gave myself so that's
0: fun that's i've fun. had the, those where i woke up at like one or two o'clock in the morning, and thinking that it's that I missed my alarm or something, and you know, especially when I used to work at three and four in the morning, and I would fall asleep sometimes, and I'd get up at eleven or twelve, like I'd only been asleep for an hour or two, and, and I would be panicking because I thought, "Oh my God, I didn't hear my alarm!" And I sometimes I'd be practically in the shower and then realize that, "Oh crap, what time is it?"
1: <laughs> I want to say hi to Kirk. I see that Kirk has commented.
0: Hello, and, uh, Kirk.
1: The walking fly trick, yeah. I I like Kirk. Kirk, uh, you know, what's really was nice, I don't want to say it was nice about the pandemic, but it was cool because uh, there was a whole community of displaced comedians that were doing Zoom shows. And so I met people from all over the place.
0: Mm -hmm. And then, you
1: know, we met Kirk down
0: in, in- Vegas, in person. Down in,
1: yeah, in Vegas and hung out with him. And so you even hung out with him more than I did. But uh, it was, it's just so nice to, like, kind of, like, already know someone and then go meet them. You
0: know? Yeah, because there's, there's people from all over. It's interesting to me with things like a pandemic where events happen and you, even if there's people that you know, you get closer to them for different reasons because you find you have something in common or you're getting through something together. And then you're like, you know what, I never knew that I would have developed this closeness with that person. Or... Yeah,
1: because, like, Kirk and I haven't spent that much time together, like, in person. But I mean, we were together every Saturday night doing the roulette wheel with Tara, and yeah. you know, we kind of became like a little family. So all those people feel very familial to me. You know?
0: mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: <sighs> Silver linings. Yes, that's true. But to, um, Jerry,
0: do you, you have some stuff coming up you want to share.
1: I have lots of stuff I want to share. Thanks for asking Andy. Yeah, this is a way of redirecting me, like, shut up, Sherry, and let's go move on. Okay, no. no. Tomorrow night, I'm doing a show in Auburn with uh, Emmett Montgomery and Naren Van.
0: Exciting.
1: Um, that's exciting. I, You know, I don't get to work with Emmett that often. Our our paths don't usually cross. And so um, he was one of the people that when I was in, uh, stranded in, um,
0: oh, and, and... Texas
1: was trying to help me get... Yeah.
0: He's somewhere. a good guy, and I will say that Emmett is one of the people you had told me to watch for before I ever saw him because of his style and his skill with how he puts it's things storytelling. together.
1: It's Yes, and when I did
0: finally see him, it, it was like, "Damn, I need to take notes because it's just so amazing in the way that he tells the jokes." Yeah, so
1: I'm excited about that. And then Saturday night, I'll be in Linwood doing a Shindig show with Jimmy Shin. Ooh. I haven't met him yet, but I kind of looked him up a little on the. You know, internet to see some of stuff. And it looks like fun. And uh, one of my old friends is going to come up and uh, see the show.
0: That's so that exciting.
1: And then uh, Sunday night, I'm doing good comedy at Bad Jimmy's with, uh, I don't want to, I'm going to forget somebody. I know Rachel's on the show. Anyway, Nate Jackson, headlining. Nice. So, and you know, exciting. I, you know, I like Nate, so. It's Nate time. Yeah, so it's a great weekend full of stuff, and then next week, you know, you know we're going to be here Thursday, but i got a show Thursday night, a film festival Friday night, and another show Saturday night, so the next two weeks are going to be really busy. That is. Uh, Yeah, what's going on with you? Uh, Well. Tell your big news.
0: Yeah, so uh, I've got a couple things. Well, the, the first big news I'll share, since you brought it up. Uh-huh. Uh, is that I made it through round three of the Comedy Voice at Tacoma Comedy Club. Uh-huh. So, woo-hoo. Hey. So this, so out of, what do we
1: start? How many did you start
0: with? I don't know if it was 50 or 60. I was going to go back and look, because they did three, I think it was like 60, they did three different shows of auditions, and I feel like it was about 20 per show, maybe not quite, but it was 50 to 60 comedians that signed up. That got narrowed down to 24 that, that, that they chose, and those 24 2 weeks ago got narrowed down to 12 when with by doing a comedian head to head you had to go against somebody and then one person got eliminated so i made it through that round and at that point judges or the coaches were making all the choices on who who passed, who moved forward and now in this next this last round it moved to audience vote so the 12 people that had made it through the head to head went up and the audience voted on the top 8 and so I'm in that top eight. Now the finals will be on the 21st. And it's going to be a fun show because the audience votes again. The eight of us are going to go up and give a set. And the audience votes on your top three favorite. And those three will have to go right back on stage and give another set so that you can vote on number one. You oh, know, when...
1: that's right. That is how that goes.
0: Yeah. And that's going to be September 21st at 730 at Tacoma Comedy Club. Free show. Show up vote for the guy in the red on your awkward shirt it's very simple process that's all you've got to do but uh, yeah that's uh coming up here in just just under two weeks so I'm excited about it um this was a challenging show this last time there were some dynamics that um you know I was first up so that's always a little trickier you worry that people will not remember you at the end yeah I uh the room still felt a little cold when I was up there. It didn't feel like it got a lot of energy out of the opening. I think it
1: was cold the whole night.
0: Yeah, and that's true. It was.
1: I, I pretty much crapped the bed up there myself, you know.
0: I yeah, mean- I felt I felt bad for you because your set was in that stall time where people are voting, turning in their ballots, going to the back. Like, like, you had a not-the-best audience because of the functionality no, of it.
1: I think the audience was just... A weird
0: audience it was a weird audience i will give you that
1: because i see lots of audiences
0: yeah and
1: you can tell when it's a weird one and it was a weird one so Mm -hmm. i don't think a lot of them were really there for comedy
0: yeah i had about 20 people there i was really excited to have people come i'm i'm hoping to more than double that number for the next round i just want to like have a presence you know um if you want to show up in your own your awkward shirt hit me up we can get you we can get you taken care of, you know, uh, I'm just looking forward
1: Mandy. to Mandy. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I feel like now, like I gotta, cause I'm technically like a guest judge or whatever. Yeah. So I feel yeah, so like you I have, have to kind of, I feel like I have to be neutral kind of right. although all I'm doing is just sitting there. Like I'm yeah. not voting. There's nothing, you know, but I'm just, no, but I know
0: what you mean. It's like, yeah, you kind of have to be the, okay, now I'm in a position where I can't, you know, if you were, if it was earlier rounds, it would definitely be you'd have to be neutral because of because you're pushing on your team. Yeah. But yeah, I get it. So I have that on the 21st. This week, though, I do have a show next Wednesday on the 15th at the Airport Tavern. And that's going to be a fun show. That's a room that Casey McLean books. And uh, he's got a, a good lineup. I think there's maybe six or eight. It looks kind of like a showcase. There's about a few of us comedians that are all doing 10 minutes. So it's going to be a fun time. Yeah, so, but yeah, so contest, like I said, votes matter, 21st of September, 7.30 p.m., and it's a free show, so just show up and vote, but please get there before the show starts at 7.30
1: I see Emmett Montgomery is watching, and I think he probably missed us singing his praises, so. Yeah, he probably
0: missed that whole part where I was like, Sherry was telling me I have to watch for him, and then I finally saw him, and it was amazing, so Emmett, we'll we appreciate. you have
1: to rewind there and, and look at that, but. Um, well, he heard he heard
0: us talking about him
1: yeah so we got some good stuff going on so that's cool yeah do we have any other like housekeeping chatty stuff that we want to take care of not
0: that I I you know not that I have on my list other than getting right into it we got a couple okay. topics to talk about today right
1: we do have a couple topics and the one that I really uh, I really want. we usually kind of Usually I pick something I'm interested in and you pick something you're interested in and then we talk about both of them. And uh, I didn't have time to make any... I do want to do do a game where Mm -hmm. I'm going to take pictures of like two guys and make you guess which one I've had sex with because I think that would be (laughs) hilarious. But... um... I gotta find some of them. We gotta locate some people first. The don't anyway, mind. So sure. I didn't have time to put together a fun little game like that, mostly because I forgot we were doing this today. But um <laughs> I've been thinking about this topic for a while. Um, mostly like from going to Nate Jackson's super funny comedy club, because the subject is body language that hmm. I want to talk about. And one thing that Nate does is if he notices somebody in the audience. With their arms crossed, he addresses it right away. Like, he asks them why, tells them that they're at a comedy show to uncross their... He literally tells them to uncross their arms because they're blocking the comedy from coming to them.
0: Yeah, I've seen him do that.
1: And it makes you more open, and I thought that's really kind of brilliant because you do see them, once those arms unclench, you do see them visibly relax. So... I thought, well, look, look, just look at that, how much that one little thing of body language can really make a difference. Because if you, I don't know about you, but if, I, if I'm on stage and everybody's laughing, but there's one guy sitting like this, mm-hmm. I, I'm looking right at him the whole time going, that one guy's not laughing.
0: Okay, now I, I had this exact thing happen on Sunday. I didn't open mic. And there was one couple, they were a little bit older, sitting in the front, very front, right next, right, oh, like boy. right here. And I'm telling some off-color jokes, as you do. Now, this was an open mic that is a mix of music and different things. So they didn't necessarily come to hear off-color comedy. So I was giving them that benefit of the doubt, but it was awkward to, and I wasn't even telling the worst of my stuff. Like I was relatively tame for my standards. Right. And so I'm, I'm t- telling jokes, but I can just see the whole time the room laughs. And, you know, I was like, but I, I, if it was going to be a full comedy show, I would have maybe been more distracted by that, but, um, the rest of the room was really on board. So, but it yeah. did play with my mind for a little bit. Cause at first it made, there was enough thought given to it where I thought, wait, is it just them? And then I started to pay attention to the rest of the room to see if, if other people weren't mm-hmm. on board.
1: Well and the other thing is and I want to be a little cryptic about this but uh we were noticing I was noticing a picture of a couple and I noticed in their body language I noticed something about their body language that I thought did not bode well for their relationship. My mom's calling me now sorry mom um Anyway, that's going to distract me from it. No, but I've noticed this, and I've actually seen people talk about this on TV shows about this and everything, is um, noticing how couples are in pictures. Like if one person is gazing or trying to gaze into the other's eyes, and the other one is looking away. Mm -hmm. Or one just, like I have, I know this woman, and in every picture I see of her, she's holding on to her husband in some way.
0: Oh yeah. Like, like you're not going to get away.
1: He's looking straight at the can. And I'm like that whole picture. And I know them tells the whole story of their relationship right there. Like mm-hmm. he's disinterested. She's grabbing on to him for all he's worth. You know,
0: it's funny. You, you pointed something similar to this out to me, maybe a year or a year and a half ago. I remember you saying something about a, um, a picture because it was like a Facebook post. And I, I remember I, it was somebody that I knew where I was asking, I was like, this just seems odd, and you had made that comment about how there are, you'll see couples who, there's always one who's, it's almost a dominating presence over the other one, and, and, or, ju- it, or
1: just a desperation, like, oh, yeah, hey, don't leave, you know, yeah,
0: but it, it makes you feel like, I, I think it is representative in a lot of ways of a relationship where. Um, maybe one person doesn't feel whole. And so they feel like they have this fear of losing that person. And it might not even be so sinister, just like you said, like that desperate, like, I don't want them, I'm, I'm nothing without you. I can't let you go. But it also goes in hand in hand with kind of the over posting the love story posts. You know, like the, um, at least for me, I see that where the same type of people who are in those situations are where the one person in the relationship is always posting about the relationship and the other one never posts anything Really, you know, it's like kind of one-sided in the.
1: Well, I I post about my husband, and he never posts about me. But that's just because he doesn't really post that much. Well, that's
0: the thing too; is it does depend on right. personalities because there oh, yeah, no, there right. are people who just don't really post.
1: If one person's who's just madly in love, and uh, the other person nothing. Yeah, I wonder sometimes. But I guess so. What I'm saying is that people can tell a lot about you just by your body language. Mm-hmm. Now they used to say that, like. 70% of all communication is nonverbal. And that, yeah, the studies that that came from are not necessarily accurate, but uh, a big part of communication is nonverbal from even, you know, the tone of your voice or whether you're fidgeting or your facial expression. But I, am for today, since we're just going to do this for yeah. a few minutes, just talking about how your body is positioned. One thing that I... A couple of things that I heard that I thought were really interesting is that if you're in a group of people, you can kindly t- kind of tell, yeah, knock it off, Andy. <laughs> you, can, you know how I am. If I think you're not listening for a minute, I'll stop and go.
0: I'm going <laughs> to rein you back in here.
1: <laughs> but uh, if a group of people are all sitting or standing around, you can tell like, if someone is not really wanting to be there by how their toes are positioned yeah they're sitting or they're like pointing like this they might be facing this way but if their feet are like they they want to leave
0: yeah i've heard that if you are standing next to like your boss and if they point their, towards, their toes away from the conversation it's like a subliminal thing we don't realize we're doing but when we're ready to to walk away we start to move our feet mm-hmm. and I, I I read that I read a book a couple of years back about I think it's called the power of nonverbal communication or something along those lines, but it was written by a a gentleman who was a um like a someone who would interrogate people or like for the CIA or or FBI like where they were their job was to investigate and question people, and so he talked a lot about reading uh, verbal cues and one of the things that they talked about too was um. You know, one of the things is this, this piece of our body is where all of our organs are. And if you look at animals that walk on four legs, this space is always protected because it's where our heart, our kidneys, our lungs, like everything's right here. So it's natural for us to protect that. So when we don't feel comfortable, um, you know, a guy might straighten his tie or you might like fidget with something over here, something where you cross this center mass. So if, if someone doesn't feel comfortable when you ask them something, if they do something that is a soothing type of behavior, that is one of those things but one of the one of the things that I also learned in that book is it talked about the pointing of the feet Um, it talked about how um, if you're if you go to have coffee with somebody typically women are more comfortable sitting directly across the table because they're used to -to face-to-face interaction whereas guys are used to sitting next to each other and so the way they say to break that dynamic up is to sit at angles so you instead sitting directly across you sit um, on the two corners so that you can kind of chat next to each other. And it's not the same kind of, um, there's a helicopter again. I don't know if you can hear that. Um, it's not the same kind of, uh, formality where you have that space between you. But the big thing that I learned from it was that sometimes someone's sitting like this just because they're comfortable. It's not always, Mm -hmm. you you can't say, Oh, because this, that's what they mean. However, anytime something happens if someone when someone changes their position that's a cue that something happened that they weren't comfortable so if there's something in the conversation and you bring up a point and they go like this or they shift a different way they needed to make a change in order to kind of disguise their discomfort and that's one of those nonverbal cues too
1: mhm well the other ones that i know of too are like uh mirroring if someone's mirroring you like if you go like this and then they go like this that means they're digging you and feeling you in some way or another yeah to know like when you're dating um -hmm. the other one I've talked about before is like when you're in a group of people and something is funny or watching a movie or at a comedy show people will turn to the person in the group that they feel closest to and look at them so it's yeah. a really good way of gauging, like, where you fit in in a group, you know. I think that's really interesting. And I always, like, say, like, well, my husband always just stares straight ahead, like, I'll look at him. <laughs> he never looks at me. So I don't know what that means. But He feels um, connected
0: to the show. He's paying attention.
1: I guess, yeah. Um, so there's that. So that, that kind of stuff is interesting. Or if you, you know, someone's turning towards you you know, it's good. It's a good thing. It is.
0: Mm-hmm. So Sherry. <laughs> I'm,
1: glad I'm glad you're being mean to me on camera where people can see
0: it. <laughs> you're like, see what I have to put up with? No, I'm, I'm curious though. Like, cause there's two things. Like, number one is how do we use body, what we know about body language to read other people so that we know what, how they view us or how they want to interact with us in the moments that we're with them. And then how do we also be aware of our own body language so that we can portray the right image or, you know, not hurt somebody's feelings or, you know, whatever that is, or think, okay, if I'm looking at how I'm, if I'm always the one clinging on to somebody, am I aware that I'm doing it for one thing? And if I am, what is the reason that I'm always doing it? And is there something I need to address in my own level? If you look at
1: all the pictures of you and your partner and you're the one that's always hanging on to them and they're not hanging on back. Yeah. Well, you might want to take a look at that. I just think yeah. that might be.
0: And, and the trick is, you know, uh, I think that our, our instinct a lot of time is to look at that picture and say, hey, how come you're never hugging me? You need to be hugging me back and, you know, put it on the other person. And that's not a healthy thing to do because you're always putting, you know, in those situations, you're putting your value and happiness on de- being dependent on how somebody else is treating you and on those expectations that you're putting on them. But if you can be secure in not always being the clingy one, give them a chance to be clingy to you because then they may say, oh, I didn't get a hug today. You know Where are we? Um, but you have to just, you can only address your own part and you can't put it on the other person where you say, you know, it can't be about, well, I'm always doing this. You're not doing it for me. It needs to be about, well, I can only control, control and change the actions I'm taking, even if it is with the person that you love very much.
1: I just want to say that when I take pictures with my husband, you know how the conversation goes? It's always like, get in front of me because I have a huge, giant (laughs) fat head and he has a small head. And if he's like uh, behind me, he looks like a little boy. And it's just like.
0: (laughs) Like this is all about positioning.
1: It's all about making mama look slimmer. So And
0: then always take the picture from up above. Yes, that's
1: true. All right. So that's really all I wanted to talk about with body language. I could go on and blather on forever, but I hit the main points. Cause I think it's, I personally don't use it on how to like, think about what I'm doing. I always just look to see how other people are reacting to me. that's how, how I use it. Cause I'm, a yeah. Way, so nice. All right. do you want to talk about? Well, well I, I thought
0: this one, so this one's kind of interesting and I've, I've, talked about it in different ways over the years and different things but not necessarily on our show and um it's about dealing with having some sort of religious faith while being gay because i was raised catholic and i believe in you know christian morals and things like that and i believe in god and jesus and this is this is what i believe and um that's not always welcome and and it's one of those things that uh, a lot of people have issues with because they've had bad experiences with different areas of christianity and it's it's like anything where you could have um, any group of people you have a bad experience with, and there's always some that are that either interpret things wrong, take the rules too far, or you know take things on their own vision and and for myself, <clears throat> I guess i'll just share what's gone through my and th- let me tell you the reason this came up. Um, I was talking with a client and we actually got on this subject about, you know, how do you weigh what you were raised with, with your faith, with what could be at odds with that, with being gay? And how do you, how do you not give up on a piece of you that was important for another piece of you that is also important? And I think that can relate to anybody, no matter what it is. I, you know, we're at odds with that a lot of times with careers and home where I have this thing that is so important to me, and but I also have this that is a part of my life that is hugely important and I can't figure out how to balance that so so there are a lot of times we have things that we're at odds with that don't always seem like they should go together very well and so we were getting into this conversation it made me think about it and then actually yesterday I had somebody uh, uh match with me on on OkCupid and, and I'm not very much on the dating sites but there's I haven't deleted that one yet so I just check it every once in a while but but I had matched with this guy and his first message was oh I see you identify as a Christian um is that accurate?" And I just said, I said, yeah. And then he says, well, since I already know we disagree on things, uh, we're probably not a good match. And I was like, okay, that's nice, but that's fine. Cause I'm not gonna be a good match with anybody who can't even just have a dialogue, <laughs> you know? Sure. And, um, but one of the things, so when I was talking with, uh, with, with my client about this earlier, the way I explained it was, you know, when I, I was raised Catholic and I'm gay, and I knew from early on that I was gay. I just never came to terms with it. I, I hoped to make life different. And uh, that was the only way that I could see a traditional life was to get married. And that's why I did, and then thought, oh, this is cool. I'm living this life. And I, I you know, I didn't see myself as being gay, as as like uh as an option for for living a, a regular life. And, and this is in the 90s, things are a lot different now. However, um, then after I came out, you know, you've got this. Well, gosh, what's right? Can I have? Can I feel this way, and can I not feel that way? And we were talking about faith, and I said, you know, the thing is for me, when whenever things are going bad, I still pray to God, and I'm like, God, help me through this. God, get me from A to B, whatever, and whatever label you call it, it might be God, it might be the universe, whatever. But I was saying that's how I know I have faith because I still know that someone's going to help me, and that's what I come back to. And whether or not that faith fits into an institution there are a lot of institutions that don't fit with what i agree with or believe in and they call themselves christian and those aren't who i align with and i, and I think that's kind of how that how i f- came to terms with it for myself that okay if i'm in these moments and this is how i feel that's still what i go to
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um, anyway so i just was curious what your take is on the whole faith situation the whole you know, how do you deal with things that are at odds with each other? I'm kind of rambling at this point.
1: No, no, well, it's, it, that's kind of different because a lot of that uh, religious stuff I struggle with, you know, I grew up, I'm not gay, so it's a like different, but I'm just talking religious struggles. I grew up in like a Pentecostal family, like what they called holy rollers, and they were mm. speaking in tongues and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, I have family that, you know, Let's just say I don't. I don't go to church anymore because uh, I feel that there's so much that has to do with the people that are running the church that maybe aren't really Christ-like.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure.
1: And so I think I can have a, a healthier relationship with my faith by myself.
0: Yeah, and I don't go to church either. Pretty much for that same reason, because I feel like I can do more in my community. I, I have a community of people that are my community that I feel it's my job to, to, to support. And it doesn't have to be that they are from a church.
1: But, you know, there is also a lot of, I don't know about you, you know, learning as a child when you go to church and you go to Sunday school that, you know, uh, there's always that threat of you're going to go to hell. You're If you do something wrong, you're going to go to hell. Yeah. So, so much of it is just fear-based. That it's hard sometimes to overcome that. I mean, you know, to see, first of all, that that is one of the problems, I think, of religion. Mm -hmm. Firstly, just that whole reigning with fear. Yeah. But, you know, that's, I I think it kind of really messes with people. So,
0: Mm -hmm. well, and I know too that people who could be gay. Or in any other situation where they just have had bad experiences, if you've had a group that has persecuted you and, and held a banner that says, we're saying that you're less of a person and here's, here's the, the banner that we're flying under, you would never want to go back and touch that. So I, I get why people are in that place. Fortunately, I didn't, you know, I was being raised Catholic. I heard all the messages and maybe I just didn't listen very well because I heard about, you know, it's not right. You're going to go to hell and all that stuff. But when it came down to coming out, I didn't feel like, you know, and I hadn't been going to church for a long time before that. So it wasn't like I stepped out of that community because I was gay. I was already out of that community. I had already gotten to a place where my my spirituality and faith was not tied to an organization or an institution. Okay. And so, and I think that when it comes down to it, I can't understand how any type of organization that um, that stands on the grounds of being, treating each other well and being faithful and having a loving God would have any claim to say that any, any certain class of people or group of people are worth less than, than another. And, right. and so, so those are the groups that don't make any sense, but that's not all of them. So I don't know. So that was just kind of, after having that a couple different things where that came up this week, I was like, Gosh, it's like how much do you have to defend what you're thinking or what you're feeling, just to even like have conversations with people? And um, you know, with my client, it wasn't that kind of situation. It was very open dialogue about how do we explore this. It wasn't a defensive situation. But I've had situations where it's like, how can you believe this? And how can you do that? And it's like, well, you know what, your experience was not mine, and I can understand that. have a reason to feel the way you do because you walked through doors I didn't walk through or maybe had people close doors that you should have been able to walk through but um but I do like what you say about you know kind of stepping out of following the the leadership of any particular group
1: right well I mean that you know it gets dangerous and I mean there's you know I don't want to get like, start offending people or anything here, but I think there's a lot of things going on under the name of religion that are really very hateful, and um, it's dangerous, you know, it causes people to want to commit suicide, or, you know, just really, yeah. themselves or just really be messed up, so, mm-hmm is something like, it's like when I meet like a good, loving Christian, um, you know, there's sometimes you can just feel that spirit in a person of love and, right. Uh, you know, there are uh, certain people like, you know, it's funny because I grew up in the religion I grew up in, but my sons are, one is a Catholic and one is a Mormon.
0: Mm.
1: I don't know if you really knew that. but I didn't um, know
0: that, that's funny.
1: Yeah, so Andrew's the Catholic Noah's the Mormon and Andrew, uh, you know, when we were kids, we were kind of taught that the Catholic Church was just, well, all they have to do is just, you know, recite some little thing, and they think that their sins are gone, and they didn't even, you know, like, mm-hmm. that's how we were taught, but and I'll tell you, some of those people in the Catholic Church, when Andrew was really, really ill, like in Harborview, I mean, you know, there was one lady that he met at she came every day and he was in Harborview review for like three weeks. She came every single day. There was people that came and played. Um, I'm going to cry now. Oh, well, I'm going to let it happen. Yeah. And played songs that he loved while he was in a coma. Just, just in case that he could hear them playing that song. Or even when he came out of the coma and he could hear, but he couldn't talk or see or anything. And they like brought their freaking cam- you know, guitar all the way up to Harborview from Federal Way Wow! and played songs for my son. And it's like my sister said no, I shouldn't mention her, but I did. She said I don't like the way they just keep pushing the Catholic thing. And I said, I don't care who it is. I don't care if they're a Buddhist monk or what. If they want to c- come up and pray for my son, I'm going to let them. You know? yeah. I just didn't understand that. So um, I don't know. People have strong beliefs and it's like it's and it, it's hard like if you've been taught something your whole life and and you don't you know, it doesn't resonate with you anymore. Like how do you I think a lot of people struggle with religion, you know?
0: Yeah, and it's um that's such a that's such an amazing story about them coming to see Andrew. But I mean just and the thing is I think it's hard not to when you're close to a situation and you know that they're there and what they're doing, they're just comforting him. You see that firsthand, but when you're a step or two away from it, there's that, they must just be pushing religion on him. And it's like, and I, and I think sometimes we wanna over question people's motives because we are, we're, we've you know, really learned to protect ourselves because of our experiences or, or what we've seen. And so it's natural to put that defense up, but a lot of times people's motives are just actually good. And that's okay right. you know
1: right. yes I, i've met some very beautiful beautiful people
0: yeah and and that's the thing like um you know my my dad still goes to church pretty much every day of the week that he can you know goes over and says the rosary and um that was one of the scariest things for me was to go tell my parents who at the time were 75 and 80 and be like oh by the way your 40 year old son is not only getting divorced but also gay and you know um it was a shock Mm-hmm. and they've done amazingly well i you know i was afraid that i was gonna have to call the ambulance to because they were gonna have a heart attack you know i was just like oh my gosh how's this gonna go and and it wasn't like a instant oh my god we're so happy for you you know it was definitely took some some time but it, it wasn't ever uh we're not talking to you it was you know concern and care and i don't quite understand but we're getting there and um right And I, you know, I couldn't have asked for better. And and I know that's not the case for everybody, but, you know, as much as I look at how do I handle my faith, you know, I look at, you know, my parents who are like, okay, how do I love my son and still believe something that I've believed for 80 years? And that is indoctrinated into my, my head, as far as all of the levels of belief, but
1: Mm -hmm. I know that uh, I would have. I would always say to know, are you sure you're not gay? Like, come on, you know, you could tell me, like, please be gay. Just <laughs> <laughs> please be gay. Come on. Yeah. <laughs>
0: come on. There's a um, I don't know if you've ever watched the Catherine Tate show. I know you're I know you're not as big on British television as I am, but there's a Catherine Tate show, which uh, I don't know how long ago it was on, but they had there's clips on YouTube and it it was kind of like mad TV or Saturday Night Live where it's all these different skits and different characters come and go. And uh, the entire series, she's the main character in all the skits, Catherine Tate is. Well, there's one character who is a mother whose son comes out to her, and he's probably, you know, young adult, late, you know, maybe late teens, early 20s, right. and she is, the mom is just so excited to the point the son is embarrassed. She's like, she's like, have you heard about our John? He's a gay man, and then she's like, come on, I you know, let's go look at curtains, and I need to do this, and all that, and, and he's just like, mom. <laughs> but it's because there are people like that i feel like a couple of my sisters were almost like that where it's like let's redecorate i'm just like I'm like it's too much too soon i'm not that gay yet you know it's like but so my parents weren't quite there but they they weren't the uh you know we're turning our back on you but that's funny yeah oh, that's so anyway just... so that's that's a that's a heavy subject i just
1: yes it, it is but just, you know it's okay to touch on it every now and then you know i i i notice a lot of comedians are atheists yeah notice that yeah mm-hmm. and I, and I, like i keep trying to write a bit about that but religion is so touchy that i just and ha- i'm not that good yet i guess i haven't mastered it cuz uh you know but one day i am going to touch on that
0: yeah i do have a little bit you know i have a couple of my religious jokes and i thought about expanding them a little bit um I haven't quite figured out what i want to do yet because there i'd like to talk more about that subject uh there are certain things that you know one of my challenges for this you know my next stage in comedy is to really branch out into different subjects that i tell jokes about Mm -hmm. um i'd like to talk about uh and they're not they're not light subjects i'd like to talk about religion i'd like to talk about um being in in an abusive relationship and and how that is and and getting out of that and I'd like there's a lot of things I'd like to t- touch on and talk about but you know how it is with comedy when you go into that new zone it's it's a lot of work to get to anything that's good and when you're touching on something that that's that deep it's just like there's oh lot, god
1: there's a lot of awkward open mics <laughs> right and I'm just not it's sure I'm in right. the end, yeah yeah yeah
0: so I'll just wear my own your awkward shirt and I'll be like so there's going to be some cringy moments tonight, and we're just going to work through it so I can listen for where the laughs could be, and I'll come back in a couple of weeks and try this again. Uh, that's
1: good. I don't know if you know this. I should probably say this, like, to the people that are watching, but I have a little exercise machine under my desk, so if you notice when we're talking that I start jiggling, that's why.
0: I didn't know you had a machine down there. I knew that you kind of – your legs get restless, and I knew sometimes you're doing that, so.
1: Yeah, it's a it's – a, I don't know how to say it, if it's a QB, C-U-B-I-I, and it's, you know, like a seated elliptical is what it is. So okay,
0: cool. I'm
1: try trying to that's, keep my legs
0: That's pretty fun.
1: Alive. So, all right, well, we already talked about where we're going to be. Yep. For the next few days, you know, you can always go to SherryHardman.com to see where I'm going to be. And,
0: and you can check out all my uh, social media at, by... Following Awkward Career or look up Andy Vargo Awkward Career.
1: And of course, if you'd like to date Andy, or if you have any show ideas or questions or comments,
0: <laughs> you can email us at now get your pen and paper ready, Sherry and Andy. Or no, wait, sorry. Email us at scrutiny with sherry and andy at gmail.com. Again that scrutiny with sherry and Andy at gmail.com for all your show needs or ideas
1: <laughs> All right well it was lovely I'm a dork I'm with you
0: yeah, um, as always
1: um, I, I don't think you ever answered me are you in town this weekend or are you going Oh
0: I am in town this weekend I have a um, I'm gonna be kind of out of pocket on Saturday but I am in town the rest of the weekend okay
1: and i was kind of hoping i could bring you with me saturday night and stay in a hotel.
0: a oh, hotel.
1: i need a hotel buddy that my husband would approve of so all right well <laughs> i love you i will see you love
0: later. you too. all
1: right bye. all right
0: bye bye.